Christian lives, it will help us to grow spiritually, to reach new levels, to overcome some of our past failures and hang-ups, and really to, to find true freedom that is available through, Christian, uh, through Jesus Christ. And, you know, honestly, I'm calling them secrets, but really, we can, we can all learn these by reading our Bible and by, by growing spiritually. But sometimes the answers to life are right in front of us, but we don't see them. And so I'm talking about some of the really the hidden things that, that, uh, that really people who really want to reach their potential in, in, in Christ and really want to be successful, they learn to operate using these principles. And so the first principle is this, is that the spiritual journey is supposed to be taken with other people. It's a relational journey. And only in America, it's only in America where, where Christianity is a, is a lone ranger sport. Everywhere else in the world, if you go, if you go, I mean, I've been to a lot of places, if you go to places in Europe, if you go to uh, any, any of the Spanish-speaking countries around the world, if you, you know, go to India, Nepal, uh, Honduras, anyway, uh, people, they're really seeking relationships for their spiritual journey, but sometimes in America, you know, we've become so busy that we place relationships aside, and we're just trying to do it by ourselves, and your Christian life will be much more um, beneficial, much more full of joy and fruit if, 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 you know, you get into involved in relationships. Now, at the end of the summer, when school starts back, we're going to have a whole new semester of small groups, and that will give you a chance really to meet people and get involved in some things. And last week, we talked about another secret that really is important for every area of our lives, and that's consistency. And we said that our biggest problem is that the areas of our lives that aren't going well, it's because we're not consistent. The areas that we are doing well in, it's because we're, we're consistent. And so you can go to our website and, li and, and listen to this, but I just really gave you four or five principles that really can help us to become consistent. But here's the thing. If an area of your life isn't going well, if you can become consistent, you can become successful. You can overcome the things that have been holding you back. And, and today... Today we're going to talk about yet another secret ingredient of the Christian life. And secret number three is, is the power of giving. Now, you know, uh, this is very interesting, but the church, the church gets a lot, of, a lot of grief sometimes about people say, oh, they're all about money and all they talk is about, about is giving. So here at Family Life, normally we don't even take up offerings. We teach our people to tithe out there in, in, the, um, in, the, in the foyer. And I do that so that I can teach you the principle of giving. And this principle of giving will change your life. It will change your life supernaturally if you can learn, uh, you know, to apply this to your life. So I'm just going to talk about this morning. And I think, it, I think you will see that it, it's beneficial. First of all, it's biblical. The Bible really is a book about giving. And people are surprised by this. But the number one theme in the Bible... The number one theme, and it's not even close, is giving. That's the number one theme in the Bible. The Bible starts out in Genesis, you know, 1, 1 and 1, 2, that, uh, that, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And he, he created the earth for us to enjoy. And then he gave Adam and Eve the responsibility of managing his creation. He put them in a perfect environment. So God made the world for our enjoyment um, and then it says that when we messed up and sinned and separated ourselves from God, that God gave his son, Jesus Christ, to us for the forgiveness of our sins. In Romans 8, 32, it says this, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? And so here's, here's the point is this, is that all throughout the Bible, you see that that one of the attributes of God that stands out is that God is a giver. He's a giver. He's always giving things and helping people. He wants us to have the things that we need. And, but we also learn in the Bible that we are supposed to emulate God. And we are made in his image. So if God is a giver and we're made in his image, that means that God created us not just to be consumers, but also to be givers. And so the, the truth is, if, all you go, if you go through life and all you do is take and you never contribute and you never give back, there is going to be a part of your life down here that's never truly satisfied because God didn't create you that way 
we have decided to become that way on our own. We've moved away from God in that area. So let's talk about some important words in the Bible. There's, there's some very, very important words. One of them is the word believe. Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 says that you can't, you can't receive salvation. You can't be in a relationship with Jesus until you what? First believe. That you have to be all in. So the word, the word believe to believe or believing any form of the word believe is used 272 times in the Bible. The word pray, to praying, prayer, prayed, anything, any, any time form of the word prayer in the Bible, it, which I believe prayer is a very important wor word, it's used 371 times. The word, the word love, love is a huge word for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And the Bible is, you know, is about love. And the word love, loving, have love, any form of the word love is used 714 times. But if you look up the word giving, give, gave, giving, in, any, any form of that, it's used 2,162 times. And that's an amazing thing. So all throughout the Bible, 2,162 times, God is talking about giving. Giving things to us, us giving back to others. The, the, so the theme of giving, it, 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 it triples and quadruples many of the other important words that, that, that we know are very, very important. Now, if the Bible says something once, it's important. If it says something, you know, three or four or five times, it's important. But if there is a continuing theme all throughout the Bible about giving, about giving, becoming a giver, be, being generous, uh, then, then we really have to come to a place where, man, if God mentioned that so many times, if God mentioned that so many times, then it has to be important. And here, here's one of the problems, you know, in church, you know, as a pastor, a lot of pastors think that, that it's, it's the people that support the church. And that, that is true in a way. But, you know, if God has asked us to do something and all the leaders here then really it's not really upon you, it's upon God, right? But God uses people. God uses people. So I want you to understand that when I'm talking about this, because I believe this principle has the power to revolutionize your life, and probably half of you in this room have never given anything before. Probably half of you in this room have never given anything to support the church, to missions. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but I, what I'm saying is, I want you to learn how to give, not just so the church can have more money. I want you to learn how to give so God can start blessing you in your life. The benefits of blessing are unbelievable. And so God doesn't, you know, what I'm saying is, even if everyone gave a, a tithe here in the church, and if it wasn't enough for us to do what we need to do, I believe God would find a way to bless us with more. He's done that in the past. But, but we, have, we have to understand that God doesn't want us to give, uh, you know, just to meet a need. That is the reason. He wants us to practice giving so we learn that when he blesses us, it's not all for us. There's people around us who, are, who have needs. And I believe that we've become so self-consumed that we believe that when God blesses us, it's for me. It's for my family. No, some of it is. God wants. God wants you to have nice things. He wants your family to be taken care of. But I don't know about you, but every day I meet people who are in need. Every day. And so when I go through my day, I'm thinking, Tracy, I always think, well, gosh, we have some extra here. God, how would you want us to use that? How would you want us, uh, you know, to give that? Acts 20, 35, it says this. It says, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it's more blessed, more blessings come from giving than receiving. Uh, this same verse in several different translations, the contemporary English version says, more blessings come from giving than receiving. And the message says this, you're far happier giving than getting. And you know, I mean, uh, sometimes when you get it, it's happy too, right? Have you ever got something like, well, I'm glad I got that. That's nice, right? You, maybe you're, you get a surprise gift. But, but ultimately... If we go through life and we're only wanting to get things from people, we're only wanting to have things given to us, uh, th that really ends up in a selfish mindset. So let me ask, I'm going to ask you some questions this morning and just try to, try to paint a picture for you. And then at the end, we're just going to pray and ask God to bless us and, uh, 
we're going to ask God really to open our hearts to, to being generous and giving the way that he wants us to. So here's the question. Why is it better to give than receive? You know, Acts 20, 35 says it's better. Jesus said it's better to give than, than to receive. Why is it better to give than receive? And I want, I want to share three simple yet profound truths. First of all, first of all, giving makes you feel good about yourself. Have you ever, and, and we're talking about giving. God doesn't want us just to give money. He wants us to give our time in helping people. I mean, he wants us to, to give encouragement. He wants us to give hope. He, I mean, there are so many ways that we, we can give of our time, our talents, our resources. But when we give, and when we give to good things, things we're supposed to, it makes us feel better about ourselves. Now, have you ever given something and you felt bad about it? I have. Because I was giving it to something that God never wanted me to give to. We, we do that with our time, right? We're volunteering all these things. Well, maybe God doesn't want you to volunteer at half of those things, right? But when you give to things that are good and do good things and you know God has directed you there, yeah, it makes you, it makes you feel good about yourself. So, you know, again, we, we, we are so programmed today. Think about this. We're programmed today to think about ourselves, our needs, our wants, and our desires. You know, I mean, think about it. When you go through society typical society, it's all about you getting what you want. In, in Jesus and through the Bible, God says, no, no, sometimes it's not about you getting what you want. Sometimes it's, it's about you giving what you have. Sometimes it's about you being a blessing to other, to, you know, to other people. And uh, the second thing is this, is that giving fills a need. Giving fills a need. If you, if you help a person in need, maybe you help somebody pay a light bill, fix their car, put food on the table. It's filling a need and it's demonstrating the love of Jesus for people in a tangible way. You know, if you support a local church and your church is active in the community, it fills a need. I, every, every year, Family Life gives 15% of everything that's given, all of the tithes and offerings, 15% of that goes, goes to our local community goes to missions projects, global projects. And so, you know, sometimes you'll say, well, I want to give and help other things, but I don't know who to give to. Every time you give to Family Life, we take 10 to 15% of that. And I say our bottom line is, is 10%, but some years we give 18% or whatever is above that. We have an account. We move 10% into our missions account. And, and so every week, every week, when single mothers uh, need help paying their light bill and they and they come to our church, we help them. When people, uh, you know, have problems or get laid off, we help them. We, 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 we have never not helped somebody in our own congregation. Now, sometimes we don't have enough to help everyone. I mean, Houston's a big place, right? But, but we're doing that. So when you give, part of that is going to help others, to, to, to give to others. And it's funny, I, I know a lot of successful business people. The gym I go to, there's a lot of you know, uh, successful business people, and, and I've been knowing some of these guys for 10 years, 12 years, whatever, and, and it's just funny, when, whenever we're together, every once in a while, they love to give me a hard time because I'm a pastor. They love to give me a hard time, and so, you know, you, you know me, I'm so gracious and I never say anything. I just took it. I took it for about three or four years, and finally I'm like, no, I'm going to start, you know, I feel like the Lord wants me to give them some back, right? And, but they're all, oh, hey, pastor, did you take up a big offering this week? And I said, well, we don't, we don't take up an offering. We just teach you to be able to give. Yeah, right, whatever. And um, so anyway, I asked the guy one time, I said, hey, tell me about your business. And so, man, he told me about his business plan and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I said, that, that sounds kind of like our church. He's like, well, what do you mean? I said, see, our church, we're in the people business. We're in the business of helping people. I said, and the year it was, the last year, our church gave $145,000 to help people all over the world. We had marriage conferences, and, and we helped people with, with their marriages. We, we paid for marriage counseling for people. We helped people pay their mortgages, their light bills. We helped people with food. We built churches over here. We did this and all this. And I said, you know why we can do that? He said, why? I said, because our people believe in what we're doing, and they're generous with their finances, and they support the church. And you, you know what? He... he he looked stunned. He looked stunned. He says, that's incredible. And uh, I said, I think you should visit church on Sunday. 
and I think you should write a really big check to, because it's been a while for you. Make it big. Make it big, right? And, uh, but the third thing is this. So, so think about this. Giving, it does something in us. It makes us feel better. Do you know that research has proven uh, that the best way not to lose your mind to dementia and other things as you age is to be generous? They say that generous people, people who are just givers, they hardly ever uh, go into the dementia and, and things like that. But people who are selfish and people who are always worried about everyone taking something from them, they, they really they, have a better way of losing their mind. And I'll even tell you something like this. Tracy and I, we're, we're, we're givers. And, and uh, you know, Tracy and I, we, have never, we never worried once about someone taking advantage of us. Because if someone takes advantage of me, it's God's money. They're taking advantage of God, and he, he knows how to take care of that. Uh, you know, he knows how to take care of that and, and all that. The third thing is this, or the second thing is that giving fills a need. And the third thing is that giving brings increase into your life. And this is, this is an, a paradox. It's an amazing thing. Luke 6, 38, it says this. Now, they were a farming community back then. But it says this, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And this is an amazing verse. And it says this, it says this, is that what you give is what you receive. So that's the it. If you give money, then money will be given back to you. If you give time, Time will be multiplied back to you. If you give encouragement, encouragement will be multiplied to you. If you give criticism, criticism will be multiplied back to you. Okay? I mean, if you give friendship, friendship will be multiplied back to you. If you give love, love will be multiplied back, back to you. And so this is an amazing thing about the Bible because I always, I always tell people in this church, and, and I tell all my, all my anyone who will listen, I'm like, look. We have got to quit taking the victim mentality. The victim mentality just, oh, everyone's out to get me and, and I'm this color, I'm that color, I was born in this family. Listen, that's not how the spiritual laws work. The spiritual laws say if you give something, you get something. It doesn't matter if you're Hispanic, black, white, or a combination, right? Whatever you give is what you get. If you plant corn, you know, if uh, Narciso, come up here. If Narciso and I plant corn, we're farmers. We both plant corn. Look at this. He's a little low right there. Isn't if Narciso and I both plant corn, we're both going to receive corn. It's not because I'm white or he's Hispanic. It's because we planted corn. So what do you want in your life? What are you lacking in your life? Thank you, sir. Whatever you're lacking in your life is because you're not planting enough. You're not planting enough. And some people say, well, I'm already blessed, but you're not giving anything. No, you think you're blessed. You think you're blessed. You don't know how my God works. God says, I will give you so much that you can't contain it. Okay? And so if you're having to look for ways to give it away because you got so much coming, until you get to there, there's more that God wants to do in your life. But it comes from giving. And here's the, here's the multiplication, here's the mathematical equation. Zero times zero is always zero. You can't get above that. You know, zero times one is zero. Zero times two is zero. But, but two times three is six. Multiplication works when you put another number on the end of that equation. Then it says this, how much you give, the percentage, determines how much God can multiply in your life. Proverbs uh, 11, 24, and 25, it says this, one man gives freely, yet he gains even more. Well, how is that possible? How can you give something and now you have less, but you have more? One person gives freely, yet they have even more. They gain even more. Another withholds unduly. In other words, they have something to give, but they hold it back. They keep it for themselves, but come to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So in the Bible, there's a number of them. I did a series on this a long time ago. The, the paradoxes of the Bible. A paradox is when something doesn't seem to be true, but it actually is. Have you ever thought that in your life? You see something, you're like, well, that can't be true. And then as you go through life, you're like, wow, it is true. 
in fact, it's true. So the par- there's a paradox about giving. In other words, that if, if I have $100 in my hand and I say I'm going to tithe on that and I give 10, 10%, I give 10 to God, then I give, say, another 5 to, to missions, the thought is that now I have 85, I have less. But the Bible says no because you, you, didn't, you didn't spend that, you invested it. And because you invest it, God is going to use that to grow his kingdom. And how many know, see, God doesn't need our money. I mean, the Bible says all the gold and silver belong to him. But on earth, God uses people. And so when you're a person that wants to be used by God to do the things that God wants to get done, he's going to make sure that you have more to give because you're a conduit. You're not a reservoir. You're not holding everything in. You're, you're releasing it through that. So in the natural, when you give something, it appears that you have less. But in the spiritual realm, when you invest it into God's kingdom and building the kingdom of God and doing the things, taking care of the poor and the needy and the homeless and things like that, there's a different principle, uh, you know, that applies. Let, let me give you a great illustration of this. Matthew chapter 14 is the story of, of Jesus feeding 5,000 men. And the story goes like this, that they were out in a desolate place and all these people followed Jesus out there. And he's teaching people since there were 5,000 men. Well, if they were, they were married and, you know, so if you bring the wives in, that's, you know, that's 10,000. If they each had one or two kids, that's 15 or 20,000 people. A lot of people. And the disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, look, we need to send them away because they're hungry. They haven't eaten all day. And there's no, we're in a remote place. There's nowhere to get food. And so send them away. And so Jesus, he just wanted to stretch the disciples' faith. How many of you know that when Jesus puts you in an uncomfortable position sometimes, we're like, oh, the devil's attacking me. No, sometimes God wants to stretch your faith. If you're never in a tough situation, you'll never stretch your faith if you stay in your comfort zone. And so here's what happens. So Jesus said, well, what do you have? So that we have five loaves and two fish. Bring them to me. And so then Jesus, he begins to break them up and put them in little baskets to hand out. So he has five loaves and two small fish, and he breaks them up. And so now, and he gives them away. So now he has less than he did before. But the principle of multiplication began to happen. And if you know the story, everyone ate, and there were 12 basketfuls left over. And someone says, well, why 12 basketfuls? I think it's because there was one for each disciple. You look at that. Now, next time I ask you to do something, next time you want to have faith, look at this. We start out with five loaves and two fish, and now you have an extra basket to take home. I mean, that's, that's how, how God works. Galatians, let's look at one more scripture, and then let me talk about something. Galatians 6, 7 through 10, it says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whatever, whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please from the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, that's, as you have opportunity with what you have, here's the thought. I always hear people tell me one day, I would like to, to give this much amount. Well, you start with the opportunity you have. You start with what you have. Don't ask God to give you more until you're taking advantage of the opportunity he's giving you uh, today. And so, so let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Now let's look at this. It says, it says whatever you sow, that word is an agricultural term, which means plant. Whatever you sow, whatever you give, whatever you plant, uh, you will receive or you will re- get a harvest on. So, again, giving is different from spending. When you spend something, it's gone. But when you give it or you invest it into a good uh, ministry or situation, then it has a chance to multiply. <clears throat> now, l- let's think about this. Let's say, let's say you realize, man, I've got to start, start planning for retirement. I don't have a lot of money, but we, my, my wife and I, we're going to take $150 and every month, we're just going to automatically, you know, put that into an IRA or 401K or whatever you want to do. And so every month, every month. So in the natural realm, it looks like you now have less money to pay your bills on, right? But once a quarter, you'll receive a report. And you'll notice that, man, it's been three months, so I've given $450 
but now there's $602 in there. What's happened? See, you've invested that, and compound interest is adding to it. Now, let's go a step further. If you took $150 a month from the time you were 30 to 65, so 35 years, you would have invested $63,000. But if you you get 8%, it will be worth $335,000. So you invest $63,000. Uh, $63,000 over 35 years, but compound interest gives you $271,000. That's how it is when you sow, when you give into the kingdom of God. You may give this much, but God takes it over here and he grows it over there. And then you know what? You're planting seed in the spiritual realm and and God knows, man, I can trust this person. They're, They're giving. They're not keeping everything. They're not spending everything on themselves. And, and then a supernatural increase come, come, you know, will, will begin to come your way. You know, in the early years of family life, so, sometimes I like to reminisce and tell, we're always having miracles and new things, but a lot of people that come to family life, they don't know how we got started. And it's supernatural. So I, I like to tell people, but many, many years ago, 15 years ago probably, but before before we had, we didn't own this land and we didn't have any buildings, we were meeting in a daycare uh, on Floridale, meeting in Kids or Kids Daycare. <clears throat> and uh, so we had about 80 people in the church and we realized, man, you just, it's hard to grow in a daycare. I mean, people don't want to come to a daycare. It's a lot of work setting up and breaking down. And so we realized, man, we really need to get our own land and we really need to build our own building if we're going to, you know, really grow and do the things that God wants us to do. So we started saving money. And so, I don't know, maybe we got up to thirty-five dollars or $40,000. How many of you know that thirty-five dollars or $40,000 doesn't buy you very much in Sugar Land? Come on now, can I get an amen? And so, uh, so we had a missionary, one of our missionaries, Brother Adon Villanueva, our missionary to Honduras. Brother Adon is now 88 years old. He got saved when he was 25 years old. He's been serving the Lord. He has started 115 churches in Honduras. And, and now he's in Costa Rica, all over. So he came one day, and I'm sitting on the front row. Again, it's a little bitty daycare. And he starts talking about how God has called him to buy land and build three church buildings on the island of Roatan. And I'm like, okay, I, oh, thanks for sharing your vision. I got vision too, you know. And uh, so, he, but then he said, hey, it's going to cost $20,000 to do this. And you know what? I mean, I'm sitting right there, and the Holy Spirit just blew me up. And he said, Terry, you don't have enough for your project, but you have enough for theirs. And, and I did what a lot of you do. No, 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 I don't hear you. I'm not crazy, you know. Because think about it. If you have 40000 and you give 20000 away, that doesn't leave you, you know, too much. And then, so then I'm starting talking with the Holy Spirit. You know, Lord, I would love to do that, but, you know, we have a board, you know. They're going to think I'm nuts. I've lost my mind. And here's what the Lord promised me. He said, Terry, if, if you will do this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sow seed into the ministry for years and years, and you'll never be without. Okay? So we did that. We did that. We, we gave $20,000, so now we have $15,000. And you know what happened? Six weeks later, I was driving down this road. And this, this whole nine and a half acres of land, it had weeds up to here. And it was all overgrown. And we're driving. I had these, these Christian guys uh, that were our, um, our realtors are looking for land. And I told them, I was like, hey, what about that piece of land? That looks, that may, that may be a nice piece of land. And he said, Terry, you can't afford that. And I said, I didn't ask you if I could afford it. I asked you. See, sometimes we ask the wrong questions. Don't ask in fear. Ask me. I didn't, you know. And, and then I started. They they were from Sugar Creek, and so I started giving them a hard time. Like, do y'all believe in miracles at Sugar Creek? I mean, come on now, you know. Well, you believe in miracles, and so I said, just call him, make a call. That's all I'm asking you to do. And he called me on the next day, and he said, Terry, you're not going to believe this. He said the person who owns that land is Mary Buring, and I, I don't believe she's alive anymore, and she wants a church on that land. I said, well, can you set up a meeting with, with her? He said, well, I want to meet with her. I was like, well, I don't want you to meet with her. I want to meet with her. And so, you know, I'm having a hard time with this guy here, you know. Just get out of the way and let me buy some land. 
And so anyway, I, we went and I met with her. And she's like, Tara, I would love to have a church there. And I said, I said, Miss Mary, we, we just got started a couple years ago. We don't have much money. And I said, the land is worth $850,000. you are asking $850,000. She's like, oh, no, that was today. That was yesterday. Today for you, I'm asking 400000 And I said, well, I appreciate that, but we can't even get a loan for the bank. Would you finance it for us? And she said, absolutely. Just, get, just come up with your guys and give me the terms of your, of your thing, of, of whatever you can do. And that's how we, that's how we got the land. We invested twenty thousand, and the and the Lord and the Lord dropped the price for us four hundred fifty thousand dollars. See, that that that's a paradox. You don't. How is that going to work? But again, we serve we serve a big God. So here's the thing. Here's what I want you to understand. When you release what's in your hand to God, He will release what's in His hand to you. And there are a lot of Christians who don't understand that. There are a lot of Christians who cheat God, who rob God, who are holding it so tight. And God is saying, I want to bless you, but you're being selfish. Just release what's in your hand to God. How many know, how many know, have you ever played that game with somebody and they're like, if you give me what's in your pocket, I'll give you what's in my pocket. And you're like, man, I don't know if they have a lot of cash. I mean, I don't know what's going on here. I know I got 12 bucks in mine, you know. But if you knew somebody had, a, had an endless supply of finances and their pockets were bulging, you would do it. Listen, God is not, has a limitless supply to bless his children. And the way we get blessed is we become funnels for him. He blesses us. We take care of our family. We tithe. We sow back in the kingdom. We look for areas uh, to bless. So let's, let's think about this. What should Christian giving look like? And the reason I'm doing this is because so many, I talk to people all the time, and they don't know what the Bible says about giving. And I want to tell you, if you can come here every week, you cannot give a penny to family life. No one will ever say anything to you. No one will even know. I don't know who gives what. But I'll tell you what. It, I, as your pastor and as your friend, I want you to be blessed. And the re, how we get blessed is to follow what God's Word says. Okay? So look. I have, a, I have a little booklet right here that I have about 20 of them out there in the Life Center. If you've never heard about tithing or giving, pick one of these free booklets up and just go home and read it this afternoon. It has a lot of scripture in here that I don't have time to do. That's for you. I think will help you. So what should Christian giving look like? Number one is the Bible says that we're, we're supposed to tithe. Tithe is when you give the first portion of your increase of what you make back to God. And so Leviticus 27.30, it says this, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord. It is holy to him. And what we find in the Bible going all the way back into Genesis and in the New Testament is that Christians were supposed to, as God blessed you, and if you, if you had a crop or if you were a farmer or if you were a shepherd, you, you were to bring 10% to the house of the Lord you know, for worship. That was like holy to the Lord. And uh, Malachi 3, 8 through 10, it says this. It says, will a, will, a, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. But then it goes, here's the benefits. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's wherever you get fed spiritually. That there may be food in my house. Test me says Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Now, let, let me, we talked about consistency last week. So the, 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 the deal is, anytime that I talk about money or giving, the offering will be bigger today than normal. But it's not about today, it's about next week, next month, six months. It's about consistently doing something that when you consistently do things, God is going to bless you and, and, and sow back in, in, into your life. So the tithe is the first thing. Uh, then there, there's a free will offering. And uh, I think it talks about that in the book. And a free will offering is when you see, when you see something, you know, that you want to give to and you have extra and you give to that. Then the third thing is alms. And alms is money directly given to poor people. And now here's what's very important. 
the tithe is commanded because that belongs to God. That's our covenant with him. But the free will offering and the alms, that's if you have extra. Sometimes I meet Christians and they're giving a bunch of money to as a free will offering or to another group of people, alms, but their kids don't have pants. I'm like, bro, take care of your family first. The offering and the alms is extra if you have extra. Don't take from your family and give it, give it to, some, you know, you know, to, to someone else. But this is very important. Sometimes here, when you read things in the Bible, it's very important to, to find the sequence. And so God says, hey, the, the tithe, I, I want you to do that. I, and I command you to bring that to the, the local storehouse, the, the church, or back there it was the tabernacle. And so like Tracy and I, we've been, we've been tithing ever since we got married. I've tithed my whole life. My dad taught me that. It always goes to the church. And so a lot of people want to control their tithe. But it's not yours. It belongs to God. And, and so if you say, well, I'm going to take this and I'm going to give it how I want, but, but that's not what God asked you to do. He asked you to take it to the local storehouse wherever you're getting. Now, you can do whatever you want. I'm just saying the sequence is important. Or I'm going to take my tithe and, and I'm going to use that to help poor people. Or I'm going to use, you know, that's alms and offerings. And so it's, it's, very, it's very, very important. You, listen, you can do it. I'm just trying to lay out the biblical foundation of this. But when we do things the way that God wants, with a joyful heart, in, in the right sequence, it bring, it's very, very powerful in our lives. I, I want to say this too. You, you may have never heard this before. And you may say, Terry, we're upside down financially. There's no way we could tithe. And I always tell people this. Find out what you can do. Can you give 1%, 2%, 3%, whatever, and say, God, I'm not going to spend any money on anything stupid. Until I catch up with the tithe. Okay? But, but do that. Just st start somewhere and be consistent with that and say, God, I'm, you're going to bless me. I'm going to keep doing this. So here's the question. I believe that most people are very generous in their hearts. It just never comes to action. I mean, there's not too many people that I meet that are just like, I'm not going to help you, you know. No, but so what prevents us from giving like we would like to? If I asked you, how many of you would like to give more than you're giving right now? How many of you would like to really become a generous giver? Probably 80% of the hands would go up. Yeah, yeah, if I was, yeah, you know, I'm sure I'd like to give more. So how do we do this? Uh, how do we how do we put ourselves in a position where we could give more? You know, I talk to people all the time who who a common theme come, comes up and people talk about giving. I really want to, but you know, I don't make enough money. My circumstances aren't good. On and on. So let let's do this. Number one, how do you how can you put yourself in a position to give like you really want to? Number one is givers make giving a priority. Givers make giving a priority. And, I mean, everyone has the same amount of things that come up and all kind of things. But givers, basically, givers will sacrifice certain things because they want to give. So you have to come to the place in your life where giving is a priority. Uh, just like paying your mortgage, buying food, spending time with your family is a priority. To become a true giver, it has to become a priority in your life. And, you know, um, th think about this. We all, we all, we all have, have uh, areas in our life that we sacrifice certain things so we can do certain other things. Like, you know, right now, my kids are in college. They're about to graduate. I've got two of them have graduated, one more. Trinity graduates next year. And so there were one of the things Trace and I wanted to do is we made a deal with them. Like, hey, you know, if you'll make good grades and, if you, you know, you'll, you'll do certain things, we want to help you go through college so you don't have to have student loans. So, I mean, they worked hard, they got scholarships, but Trace and I paid a lot of it. Well, so, during that time, there's a lot of things that Trace and I didn't do that we could have done if we didn't pay for their college, but that was a priority. And I think, I think we all do this. We're saving up for a house that we don't do certain things so we can do that. And so, think about it. We want to make sure that we put a priority on giving. Because what we give, God can increase. What we give goes to help other people. And it's just very, very important. So think about this. I, some, you know, sometimes the problem is in life we're focused on something, 
but then something else comes up and all of our focus goes on that. Have you ever done that before? You, you have a long-term goal, but all these things keep popping up that get you off track. And uh, I'm kind of a type A person, and I'm also optimistic, which means I think I can get everything done in a day. It doesn't happen. So I wake up every day, and I have a bunch of things to do. And so, you know, you know those annoying little gas lights in your car? They come on, you know. Who has time to stop and get gas, you know? So I, I've been guilty of running that thing down pretty close, right? So a couple years ago, it's about four or five years ago, uh, I was driving, you know, I was going home, but I still, had, I still had six miles, you know, so I'll just get gas in the morning. And so the next morning I was coming in, and um, Tracy, she was teaching, it was pouring down rain. She was teaching down at school, and she was doing all this stuff, and, and all my kids were everywhere. And so I'm driving into work, and I'm coming down West Airport. And, uh, and I realized I looked down there, and my gas it says one, one, and I'm so I'm starting to calculate them. Yeah, I, I was focused on so many things I had to do that day. Guess what? Now I'm focused on one thing. I do not want to be out of gas in the rain. I'm even thinking about friends I could call. Oh, they're out of town. Oh, they're out of the country. Man, it's just gonna be me, you know. And uh, so I'm going and and I'm trying to think where's the nearest gas station. You know, I'm like, man, it's about two miles away. And uh, then my, my, that little thing went down to zero. And I'm like, well, you're a liar. I'm still rolling, you know. Um, but anyway, I'm going. I'm thinking, okay, what can I do? And there's all those stop signs. Well, it was like 10 in the morning. There was no traffic. So I just felt like the Holy Spirit told me, you just, you just got to keep rolling through those babies, man. I mean, when you start and start back up, that burns gas, right? So I'm going to roll through those things. And I'm, so I'm rolling through these things. Just, you know, I'm looking to make sure no cars are coming. I'm rolling through those things. And, but then I start feeling convicted in my spirit because I'm breaking the law, you know. Gosh, I'm breaking the law. And do you remember, I don't know, there's a song when I was growing up. I don't, I don't know who sung it, but all I remember is like, breaking the law, breaking the law. You remember that song? And so I'm rolling through these things. I keep hearing, oh, break, I'm breaking the law. I'm breaking the law. Oh, my gosh, man, what am I doing, you know. So anyway, a long story short, I made it to the gas station. I didn't run out of gas. But it, it made me think. My whole focus of my whole day got thrown out the window when I realized there was an emergency with gas. And so think about it. I think a lot of times giving is a pipe dream. I would like to do it. I would like to honor God with the tithe. But we never make it a priority where we're going to do this. You will never become a giver until it's a priority in your life. Just like taking care of your family, you know, taking care of your cars, whatever is a priority, uh, you know, to you. And I, I noticed that I don't think that money will help us give more because what I notice is when people in America can, can they get blessed, they get new cars, they get bigger houses, they get all this stuff, but the giving, the giving just doesn't increase. I was thinking about this. One of, in 2 Samuel 7, there's a story of King David. And King David, you know, God had blessed him. He became king. The kingdom united under him. You know, he's, he's conquered all of his enemies. He's built himself a magnificent palace in Jerusalem. And one day he's walking around his palace, and he looks over there to where the temple is. And the temple is still under a tent. And David, man, his heart was broken up. He's like, man, I'm living in a house of cedar and gold and the best things of life. I got a huge palace. And the ark of God is under a tent because I've taken care of myself. I've done all this stuff for me. And it, it's, it's under that. So he, he calls in the prophet Nathan. He says, hey, he says, hey, I want to do something. And, and they say, yeah, you, you know, you should do that. But then God says, you can't build it. Your son will because you're a man of war. And so David can't build the temple. And so he's thinking some more. And he says, you know what I can do? is I can get all everything needed to build the temple and store it up for my son. And in my, in, in my knowledge, this is the biggest offering ever given in history. The gold, listen to this, this is not the wood or the cedars. David gave 375,000 pounds of gold, uh, 750 pounds of silver, 750,000 pounds of silver, 1.35 million pounds of bronze, seven 
seven million, seven and a half million pounds of iron. Uh, today, if you calculate all those precious metals today, this offering would have been $7.2 billion. $7.2 billion. And so David said, I've been spending everything on myself. Guess what? I'm going to change that. I'm going to change that. I'm going to make sure that God has the love of my life, the love of my heart, and I'm going uh, to continue to do that. I, I, was, I was thinking about this because I think we can have great intentions and never do anything. I mean, I, I, sometimes I have great intentions and I just don't, I don't do them. And I was, I, I was thinking about this because do you know that only 9% of Christians who attend church actually honor God with a tithe? And th that breaks my heart. Not, not because the church needs more money. It breaks my heart because only 9% of Christians are receiving the blessings of God from that. And, man, I don't want, listen, I don't want family life. I don't want my friends. I don't want this church to be in poverty. I want us to be blessed. I want us to be blessed. And how you get blessed is you give. Giving increases, uh, you know, the blessings in your life. I'm sorry, I went over a few minutes today, but I'm going to keep going for a little bit longer. I want to I share something with you today. Anyway, what are you going to do? Because I, I'm, I'm telling you, this principle, more than any other principle, will bless your life and bless your family and leave a legacy for your children. I'm, I'm telling you. Whether you believe it or not, I had a person argue me one day, well, I just don't believe that giving works. I am said, well, have you ever given? He said, no. I'm like, well, you're not in a position to argue. If you've never done something, you can't say whether something works or not. Right? I mean, is that, that was a pretty good argument, huh? Well, at least it worked that day. I mean, I don't, you know, anyway. You know, Trace and I, we were married when we were 20 years old. So we're 20 years old. We're working as hard as we can. We're going to school full time. And... At one point, we're living on $800 a month, you know, and which is, I don't know, I'm sure, I don't know what that'd be like today, $1,500 or whatever, but, um, and, and we're tithing $80, 80, $80 a month, all that, and, you know, I was thinking, but we were, we were happy, God was blessing us, but it was tight. I remember thinking one day, I was spending some time with God, and I'm like, God, I don't want to be paycheck to paycheck the rest of my life, and I said, God, listen. If you will bless my family financially, like if you will truly bless us, my promise to you is that I will be a good steward of it. And I promise you, we will, we will, be, we will be giving to missionaries and, and, and all, you know, we'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll use that. You know, but a lot of people, and, and I've, I've, I've kept that commitment. I've kept that commitment. Trace and I, um, we, we couple years ago, we were, we were just giving and different things, and the year we realized we gave 25% of what we made away. And I'm not saying that to brag, but I'm, what I'm saying is, used to, we didn't have anything extra to give after the tithe. And one year, we had enough to give that away, and we saw enough for our family. We saw enough for ourselves. And so, this giving thing, it multiplies, and it, and it really, really works. And would you stand with me this morning? Jonah, if you would come up and play. And would you just allow the Lord to speak into your life? And again, my goal today is not for anyone to feel bad. You may be here today. You may have never heard anything about giving. And the goal is not for you to feel bad. The goal is for us to learn something, to gain knowledge so that we fall in line for God to really bless our lives. Just take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit just to speak into your life. God, we come before you, and Lord, I just, we're so thankful for your word, and, and, and it, it teaches us how to be, how to be successful, and Lord, we, we realize that one of the secrets to being blessed is giving some of what you've given us away, whether it's love, whether it's friendship, whether it's our time, whether it's serving others, and God, we just come before you today, and Lord, I, I just pray blessings over everyone here. And, you know, church, with, with, with eyes closed, if you're here today and if the Holy Spirit was just talking to you, was speaking to you, something about the area of giving, I don't, it doesn't matter what it is, would you just raise your hands and we're going to ask God just to bless, to bless us so we can even be more generous. God, I just pray right now 
for your blessings, for your true financial blessings to be upon our church, upon our members, upon all these many women. Lord, we love you. And Lord, we realize today that if we really want increase in our, in our lives, in any area, Lord, that we have to start giving in that area. We have to start sowing in that area. So God, I just pray. God, I pray over family life that we're going to be blessed, God, that our church is going to be blessed, that our people are going to be blessed. And God, I just, we come against the spirit of poverty, Lord, and I just pray for your abundance to fill our families, God, to fill our church. And God, we, we, we commit to you today that we will be good stewards of what you bless us with, God, and we will not hold it all for ourselves. We will not spend it all ourselves, God. We will look for ways to bless other people. And God, I, you know, some of you here today, I, I just felt this morning as I was preparing just to encourage you, some of you here today, you have been giving, but as of right now, you're, you're not, you don't feel like you're, it's being multiplied back to you. And I want to I share something with you. And, you know, whenever, whenever we do something and are obedient, the blessing is there for us. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes we need to start praying a little differently. And I want to encourage you to start praying like this. Say, say God, I, I have sown good seed into your harvest, into your fields. And I just pray for a return in the name of Jesus. God, I just pray for a return on all the seeds we've sown into missions, on all the things, all the alms we've given, on all the tithes we've given. God, I just pray, and I just, I just rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. You're not going to hold my finances captive. I just pray for a breakthrough. I pray for a release in the financial realm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let me, uh, two things. Uh, first of all, we have a small group leadership.